Well, not quite. I'll be talking about much more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where the intersection of finance, technology, and policy meet. And I'm your host, Chris Brummer. The future of finance is now. This week, I'm going to take you behind the scenes of Consensus, a New York conference where industry heavyweights discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrencies. Now, one of the major areas of interest this year is cybersecurity. When Binance, a crypto exchange, was hacked in May, cyber criminals stole over 7,000 bitcoins worth more than $40 million. But the funny thing is, for all the news it generated, it wasn't anything close to the largest hack in history. In fact, Chain Analysis, a blockchain-focused cybersecurity firm, says that $1.8 billion in cryptocurrency was hacked last year. The number one risk right now for blockchain cryptocurrencies is the continued hacks we're seeing of the exchanges. That's Tom Pagler, the chief security officer of BitGo. And we'll hear a little bit more from him later. Meanwhile, at Consensus, many of the vendors say hardware wallets are the key to keeping cryptocurrencies safe from hackers. Now, there's a wide range of wallet options, and they break down into a number of categories or options. There are hot wallets, and there are storage devices that are connected in some way to the internet. Then there are cold wallets, which are devices disconnected or unconnected to the internet. And then there's a category whereby uh, devices are kept offline, and this is generically described as cold storage. In any event, all of these wallets are about money. How it's stored, how it's protected, and sometimes the amount of money can be big, really big. The analytics firm Research and Markets says that the market for storing crypto assets could grow nearly 300% over the next five years. It predicts the global value of the industry could even top $500 million by 2024. So let's go inside Consensus and check out some of the vendors who are trying to capture a slice of the market and to hear about the latest gizmos and gadgets being developed to protect digital assets of a new and emerging investor class. You know, it's very interesting. I, I'm, I'm walking over to a booth here at Consensus and I see two companies, one uh, with the name of Cool Wallet S and the other is Cigna. And Cigna is describing itself as an uh, a testable end-to-end -end cryptocurrency solution connecting consumers to financial institutions. And the cool wallet is being described quite literally as a cool wallet, as a storage device for cryptocurrencies. So vendors are showing off their products to thousands of people milling about from the United States, Europe, and Asia. Michael O, the CEO of Select and Cool Wallet, gives his pitch. So you can think of the left-hand side as, a, as more of a free world, and the right-hand side as more of a regulated world. Right, so the regulated world being the financial institution side of things, and then the cool wallet is just for what kind of uh, potential customer? So the customers who, uh, who prefer to have their uh, virtual assets stay private, uh, stay uh, unmonitored. I think wallet would be the first gateway when people want to invest in any other uh, assets, because wallet is essentially your bank. 
and people put all their money in bank and when they want to invest something else, they go to a bank and say, I want to transfer my fund to somewhere else and make that investment. Wallet essentially plays that rule, role in, in the cryptocurrency uh, industry. That's why I, I wanted to do uh, wallet in the first place. To make one transaction, you need the car itself and the owner's phone. Not your phone, not somebody else's phone, but owner's phone. And the biometric on the phone. So it's either facial recognition or fingerprint. So you need three uh, components in one place before you can make a transaction. So it's one extra layer of security there. Very, very, very interesting. Uh, and and what, I, what I find particularly fascinating is the fact that uh, it literally looks like a credit card. It's, a, it's the size of a, it's as thin a, as, as a credit card, and it literally has words that talk to you uh, while you're trying to access the wallet. And, and therefore, you, you are literally bringing a, a crypto asset wallet to your wallet. So let's step outside the conference for a moment. If you were listening carefully, your ears may have been burning when you heard the word bank. I think it's safe to say that he's thinking about crypto wallets from the standpoints of what they do and not what they hold. Here's a simple way of thinking about it. Is the money loaded into a wallet a deposit? Well, it's not government issued money. So it's not a bank like the kind of neighborhood bank people may be most familiar with that's keeping their cash. But cryptocurrencies can still be used as instruments to make payments. And as such, they're valuable. Moreover, if cryptocurrencies are a security, something like stocks and bonds, then the entity serving as the custodian has to be regulated like a security. And that means it needs to be registered with federal securities authorities. And one of the key requirements will be whether or not there are adequate safety measures in place. And usually regulators pose these measures in very broad terms. Instead, they kind of require custodians to implement the best technology solutions given what they have and the value of what they're trying to protect. But to do that, they have to understand the risks. So that led me to ask the following of BitGo's Tom Prigler. Do you get a sense that when you talk to uh, your clients and when you talk to the exchanges, that there is a sufficient uh, appreciation of just how extensive those risks are? Or uh, do you find uh, that there are certain kinds of risks that have to uh, be uh, address and you have to sort of walk through some people to explain to them certain kinds of risks that they may not necessarily be aware of. I think what it is actually is the market has grown significantly. So I don't think anyone ever thought there wasn't risk, but the first mover movers to the market were about making money. So you want to go in, run the exchange, make money, get adoption. And then we kind of had a crypto winner. Uh, Bitcoin was down, so you had seen some attacks, but you know the money—the money was less than there was before. Now we have it where it's much more widely used. There's more exchanges out there, and it's starting to boom. We see a pretty significant increase lately, and so I think it's kind of the perfect storm happening. And you're kind of playing a game of catch up. So wait a minute. How then can wallets, well, be wallets? What kind of design features can be expected in the future? Well, I saw a couple of gizmos and gadgets, but one of the most interesting seemed to come from a firm that is one of the first in the world to use a customer's body or biometric data as the security key for accessing the wallet itself. So let's go back inside. So I'm here now with Munair Simpson from Descent. 
a biometric crypto wallet provider. Maybe you can explain to me what that means, a biometric crypto wallet. <clears throat> I lost my voice, so please bear with me. My name is Munir Simpson, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer at IOTrust. So IOTrust makes decent wallets, and that's what you see. That's our branding right there. And um, we are the world's first biometric-powered hardware wallet. So whether you want to trade Bitcoin or Ethereum or you just want to huddle it for a long time, we're in the business of making it very easy for you to do that. What is, what is a biometric wallet? So a biometric wallet means a, a device that's a hardware wallet that will actually use some biometric measurement to identify you. It could be your irises. Could be your fingerprint. In our case, we're using the fingerprint. So, you, you actually use your thumbprint or any one of your fingers. I define it, identify you. They're unique. So, what exactly is inconvenient about uh, storage? I mean, it's one of the hottest, biggest questions out there. But, but what is this convenience factor? Okay, so once you're um, working with digital currencies, to you're passing assets back and forth on these peer-to-peer -peer networks. But there's an issue of um, private key. And this private key is what signs your transactions and also identifies that it's your asset. If someone takes your private key, the asset is no longer yours. And this is unlike other types of um, financial products that we're used to. Like, for example, if you go to the bank, you will notice that the bank will be able to identify you and then say, hey, these are your funds in our account and so on. When it comes to the currencies, we don't have that. So. What people have to do is they have to safeguard those keys. If you are just connected to the internet, your device that's holding your key is on a constant threat. There are malicious programs out there. There are people who spend their whole day and night trying to take away your private keys. Whoa, so that is scary. But it's not the only way. Another way would be through so-called cold storage. And I don't mean refrigeration or a cooler. So cold storage simply means that uh, you're not connected to the internet. If you have a, a mobile phone and you're holding your Bitcoin on your mobile phone that, and the private keys are on the mobile phone, that's a hot wallet. And it's hot because someone can go ahead and hack that's into right, that. And hack into it. Right. With a cold storage solution, that's not possible because the device doesn't have a, con a connection to the internet. So we've now heard about biometric strategies and the importance of cold storage. But what about the very form and structure of wallet services? For some, the very choice of whether services should be specialized or part of a one-stop shopping mix of custodial trading and other services can itself inform the safety of the wallet. Yeah, my name is Tarek, uh, Tarek Hajir. I'm the owner of, uh, the founder and the owner of uh, Vega Wallet. We are like a, uh, a complete cryptocurrency platform from wallet to exchange to the token itself and we focus on simplicity and security. So should wallets be one size fit all? Actually, we designed it to, to, uh, to fit all kind of users, like novice, professionals, experts, and that's how we do it. So we care more about the novice because those are the dangerous. Like, they don't know how to save their keys, they don't know how to do it, and they give it away. So just to keep in mind what Tarek said, one-stop shopping is a great way to help, in effect, make wallets, well, idiot-proof. If you can keep services bundled with an eye towards the retail customer, you're able to provide more protection. But bundling isn't something that everyone agrees to. Instead, BitGo prefers to mirror a more traditional approach. Again, here's Tom Pageler, the Chief Security Officer for BitGo. 
I think actually what's more important is we follow a traditional market. Traditional markets don't allow someone to be the exchange, the custody, custody the buyer, the seller. Obviously, like Bernie Madoff would be a great example, not crypto. In, in the historic world, Bernie even went on record saying, had I used an independent custody, I never could have done this, but I custodied my own assets and no one really challenged it. So, you know, started in the 70s, was, uh, he went belly up in like 2008. I mean, so many, many years uh, of obviously fraud going on. And I'm not saying fraud would happen, but the idea is if you're not segregating and, and getting separation of duties first, you're, you're just making it so it's riskier. This is a really important argument, and I really want to make sure that people understand exactly the argument Tom is trying to make. See, for Tom, a critical factor is whether or not new technologies continue to adhere to traditional standards where different pieces of the financial infrastructure remain separate. The industry or legal term here is segregated. For him, you don't mix and match different pieces and wait for the system to blow up or for a hack to arise. And he's bringing up Bernie Madoff for a reason. The arrest of Wall Street legend Bernard Madoff has clients panic that their wealth may be gone. There, customer money wasn't just left with specific individuals, but instead with money managers. In other words, people who were empowered to ultimately manipulate trading and effectively commandeer funds that would end up robbing people of $65 billion. So his point is pretty simple. If you mix up everyone's role, you increase the potential for all kinds of abuse. So I guess I'll end with one last question. How worried should people be about uh, hacks uh, right now? Is this a level 10 concern? So I'm not concerned because I know that uh, some of my assets are um, in cold storage and some of them are in the hot wallet as needed. And I think that there is a solution out there so you shouldn't be worried as long as you take the necessary steps to protect your assets. So this was telling, hot wallets, whatever their design, should be used for money being put immediately to work, say in trading. Cold wallets, meanwhile, were really there for the long-term storage of a cryptocurrency. But I couldn't help but think a little bit about, well, what happens when things go wrong? And that made me think about insurance. If you use a brick-and-mortar bank and you keep your money there, and if your money is stolen or if the bank fails, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation will insure you up to $250,000. But that's not the case with cryptocurrency wallets that aren't insured by the FDIC. So what government agency is going to come to your rescue if you're hacked? Well, it's not always clear. And I think this is probably going to be the source of not only new market innovations, but also government concern. And we're going to have to see how this plays out. Well, that's all for this episode. And I hope you were able to get a taste of the conference and a sense of the energy and ideas that animate the place. By any definition, it's a conference for the true believers. And you won't always get some of the pushback that you would normally expect to hear, or perhaps as much as you'd like. But this is precisely what makes the conference special. It's a nerdy collective of folks trying to change the industry and the world along with it. Thanks for listening. This is Chris Brummer, and we want to hear from you. Feel free to email us at fintechbeat at cqrollcall.com or tweet to at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. -M -M -E Join us next time on Fintech Beat, brought to you by CQ Roll Call.